Aaron's parents always threw extravagant Christmas parties. His father was a wealthy architect, so their house was enormous and complicated, and they would spare no expense providing a spectacle for anyone who wished to walk through their door and stand in admiration. There was a piano player and an open bar and a tree that reached 20 feet high and new cars with big bows on them in the driveway every other year. It was a ritual that had gone on since I met Aaron, and as fun as it always was for me, I imagined it was a source of tremendous discomfort for my parents, who would have to drop me off in front of a house that looked like it belonged in the Hamptons before returning to their modest home and wrapping far more thoughtful but less exciting presents. That year, however, I was extremely apprehensive because I knew I would be interviewed about Virginia Tech and presumably forced to listen to stories about the college life that should have been mine, told by old friends who really no longer were. In preparation, I had voraciously practiced my conversations as if they were State of the Union addresses and felt confident that I had an answer for any question and a rebuttal for any remark, sometimes even thinking so far ahead as to counter their rejoinder with one of many possible retorts of my own. As this imaginary inquisition progressed, the prepared responses lent themselves to a varied array of secondary and tertiary questions, all which I had invented in advance and which I felt ready to field with poise. In total, there were over 17 million possible conversations that could occur between me and any number of guests lasting any amount of time, in any order, and I was certain I had envisioned them all. Because both of us planned on drinking, Eddie and I had my mom drop us off at around 7 p.m. We were lovingly told to call for pickup no later than midnight. After that, it would be up to us to find our own ride. When we arrived, Eddie entered the carnival as if he were a veteran clown, while I went in almost completely unnoticed behind him in a shadow, as was typically the case. He marched stridently into the room, and as I shuffled to get the snow off of my shoes, Aaron's already gleefully drunk father came over to hug me. It was then that something inexplicable happened. As my head rested on his shoulder for no longer than a few seconds, and I was able to scan the room without obstruction, a weight fell upon me that was simultaneously a sense of deja vu and an intense cerebral fear of something entirely unknown. Had I dreamt of my death in this room on this night? Had I dreamt of someone else's? My stomach twisted in the same manner it had when I was told I was under suspicion of cheating and my vision blurred around the periphery. I had been there before, not at a previous Christmas party at Aaron's house, but at that same exact present moment, I knew it. My brain registered it as an indisputable fact, which was surprising considering how impossible it was. Yet, there it was. I was returning to something intimately familiar. Maybe not in this body, but at this exact precipice with the exact same wind at my back. Then, after what felt like centuries, he loosened his embrace and the dread vanished.